Today's shir begins at the second line from the bottom of Daf Lamid Zayin Omid Beis at the Mishnah. This Mishnah is introduced by our topic heading and also an indication that this discussion will continue till Daf Mem Omid Aleph, Birkas Kohanim. The Mishnah opens with Birkas Kohanim. Ketzad, bear in mind that we are continuing that which was cited in the first long Mishnah of our parak that there are things that are restricted to being recited in Hebrew as opposed to other items that were listed in the Mishnah as well that could be said in any language. Birkas Kohanim is one of those topics, the priestly blessing that must be recited in Hebrew. The Mishnah uh, continues, Bemedina Oimer Oiso Sholosh Brochos. Outside the Beis Hamikdash, it's recited in three separate uh, phrases, if you will, three separate psukim that actually make up the Birkas Kohanim. And after each phrase, or after each posuk is recited, so the uh, assembled will respond with Amen, with an affirmation. This is in uh, contrast to the Beis HaMikdash, Uvamikdash Brocha Achas. In the Beis HaMikdash, where there is no Amen that is recited, and without the Amen, so there's no real means of, we'll say, breaking the priestly blessing into three separate sections, so it's recited as one Brocha, one blessing. The Mikdosh Oimer Es Hashem. We continue at the top of Daf Lamid Ches Kiksovo. In the Beis Hamikdosh, when it comes to reciting the name of the Almighty, it's said as it is written. This is a topic that uh, you find uh, from time to time references to the pronunciation of the Almighty's name, and. Here, we're going to just restrict ourselves to the translation of the Mishnah as saying Kiksovo means as is written. The name, sometimes referred to as the, uh, the Tetragrammaton, four letters, a Yud followed by a He, and that you can see Rashi makes reference to that, and there are two more letters, Vav and a He, which cannot be pronounced literally uh, outside the base Amigdash, it's considered a uh, actually a serious offense to pronounce that name. Uh, in fact, there are uh, Christian sects that have a, a very similar sounding name, and they pronounce it whether or not, since that's pronounced with a J and it's not actually a Yud sound, whether that would constitute an offense or not. Uh, that's something that you have to uh, check out in halachic literature. But whatever the case is, we. Uh, never pronounce that name. Literally, we use the term Adnus uh, uh, in, instead. Uh, in the Beis HaMikdash, however, it appears that it was said as it is written. Uva Medina, the Mishnah continues, outside the Beis HaMikdash, when it comes to mentioning the Almighty's name, so it's Bekinu Yov. Bekinu Yov, or Kinu Yo, in its say accepted pronunciation, common pronunciation, as opposed to the formal, literal pronunciation. And that's a reference to what we just mentioned before. The, we, we refer to that as the adnus uh, pronunciation. The Mishnah goes on, Bemedina Kaihanim Noisim Esyadem Keneged Kisvehen, outside the base of English, when the Kohanim raise their arms as part of the uh, brocha requirements so the arms are raised to a level equaling their shoulders so they would raise their arms their elbows to be at the same height as their shoulders in the base Hamigdosh the uh, Kohanim would raise their hands high up over their heads the Rashi says, "Uvamikdash l'malam ereshen." On the third line from the top, Rashi says, "Mitneishim mevorchem esa'am b'shem ha'mafurosh." Since they're using the ineffable name of the Almighty in the Beis Hamikdash, that warrants their raising their hands so heavenward. Ushchino l'malo nikishri etzbosam. The divine presence is above their uh, finger joints. 
We continue in the Mishnah after having mentioned that in the Beis Hamikdash the Kehanim raised their hands uh, high up over their heads. Chutz Mikayin Godol, with the exception of the Kehan Godol, when he would participate in the priestly blessing, Sheino Magbias Yodav Lamalo Min Hatzitz. He will not raise his hands higher than the tzitz, is a, a golden headband that the Kohen Godo wore, which had the name of God uh, um, etched, uh, imprinted on it. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Af Kohen Godo Magbir Yodav Lamalo Min Hatzitz. Rebuke disagrees and says that the Kohen Godo would raise his hands even above the tzitz, even though it has the name of God on it. Shenemar the posik Vayiso Aaron es Yodov el Ha'om Vayivorchem, and uh, Aaron, who was the Kohen Gadol, raised his hands and blessed the people. As we look at this Omid Gemara, I highly recommend doing a bird's eye view, scanning the entire Omid till the bottom. What uh, do you tend to notice? Uh, you probably notice a number of diamonds and double underlines. And the topic heading on the side of the Gemara, the Nosei slash Mivne, Mivne, the structural note, you can see a diamond is featured. Sidra Shalbrisos, we're going to see a series of Tanaic sources, Hador Shois that uses, we'll say, the, their launching points, the Posuk that starts the passage in the Torah referring to the priestly blessing, Kosevarchu as B'nai Yisrael. And each source has in it a particular halacha. And that, you can see, is highlighted with the double underline. So that either you can skim quickly in the Kumar text itself, which is um, a favorite activity of mine, taking full advantage of the markings, and see what points are going to be uh, learned uh, from, uh, in, in each brysa. Uh, alternatively, we've uh, provided a synopsis on the side where you see halochus shenilmedu, one, veloshan hakodesh, that it must be in Hebrew, two, ba'amida, while standing, benesias kapayim, through raising of the arms, uh, kapayim is a reference often to hands, the raising of the hands and the oh, hands and arms. Uh, number four, Befushem Hamaforosh in the Beis Hamikdash, the uh, ineffable name is used in the Beis Hamikdash. Number five, Ponim Keneged Ponim, where the Kohanim turn towards the congregation and the congregation remains facing front, facing the Kohanim. So they're face to face. In doing so, in a, let's say, in a standard like, synagogue setup, the Oron HaKodesh that houses the, the holy ark that houses the Sefer Torah in a shul, in a synagogue, is positioned frontmost of a shul. So, in effect, the Kohanim are turning their backs on the Oron uh, Kodesh, on the Torah scrolls, and facing the congregation. And the sixth halacha that will be highlighted is the Koyal Ram, in, a, in, a, in an audible or a loud voice. Now, the Gemara, Tonu Rabbanon, Ko Sivorchu. They are to bless using Hebrew, meaning only in Hebrew. Are you saying in Hebrew or maybe possibly in any language? The Gemara answers, It says here, by the Kaihanim, their priestly blessing, the term Kosevarchu, and it says, in the context of Har Grizim, the uh, blessings and curses that we've been discussing in our last few shiurim, it says Elu yamdu levorech es ha'om. So you have the reference to a brocha there as well. Ma lahalon beloshan ha'kodesh just like over there by Hargrizim it is in loshan ha'kodesh and that's presented here as a given that was learned through a gezerah shava itself uh, using the word koil koil from Moshe Rabbeinu at matan Torah and matan Torah is given as being done so in Hebrew. So the giving of Torah was in Hebrew, or I should say the receipt of the Torah, was by Moshe Rabbeinu uh, telling it to the Jewish people in uh, Hebrew, and Hargrizim is learned from that, Gezerah uh, Shava, and now we're using Hargrizim uh, as a basis for the Birkas Kahanim in Hebrew. 
Rebbe Yehuda Omer ain't no tzorich. You don't need to rely on that Gezer Shava. Harehu Omer Koi. The Pesach, you can see, uses the word Ko, which means Ach Yom The word Ko means thusly, as it is, in this language, meaning the way it appears in the Torah, in Hebrew. Tanya Idoch, Koi Sevarchu Be'amidah. The blessing is to be done while standing, or maybe even while seated. And by Hargrizim, you have the Pesach saying, And the word Ya'amdu there appears explicitly, together with Brocha. Just like there by Hargrizim, the Brocha was while standing, so too. Here, in Birkas Koyhanim, Brocha is, Be'amida, is while standing. So that's through a Gezeira Shava of Brocha, Brocha. Rebbe, Nasan, Oymer, Enot, Sarach. You don't need to rely on that Gezeira Shava for concluding the requirement of standing. Harehu Oymer, the Pasuk says, L'shor soy u'levorech b'shmo. So Rabbi Nosson's approach, as we indicate, uh, doesn't use a Gezer Shava, but he cites a posuk in Dvorim Perak Yud, posuk Ches. Let's read again in the Gemara, Rabbi Nosson, Omeinu Tzorach, Harehu Omer Lushor Soi, Ulevorech Bishmo. The posuk is, as, is, as reads in its entirety, Bo'eisahi, Hivdil Hashem es Shevet Halevi, Loseis es Aroin Bris Hashem, the Pesach describes the sh- tribe of Levi being assigned the role of carrying the Holy Ark. La'amoid l'fnei Hashem b'shmoi ad hayom hazeh. So in this Pesach we see l'shorso u'levorech b'shmo and Rabbi Nossin points out ma mishores b'amida just like a service is while standing Af mevorech ba'amida, so to blessing, being that they are uh, compared in this pasuk. O mishores gufei minolon, service itself. How do you know it is while standing? We're making an assumption, according to Reb Nosson, that brocha is is standing is while standing because mishores is standing. But how do you know mishores itself? There's another posuk in Dvorim, Perek Yudches Posuk which is in the topic of the role of Kohanim, and it says in the, in the Torah, it says there, La'amoid Lishores. If the, the posuk in its, uh, say more in its entirety, it says, Kivovochar Hashem Elokecha, Mikos Shvotecha, La'amoid Lishores. That's a reference to the Kohanim being chosen to be the ones uh, from amongst all the tribes to stand and serve. So, uh, as far as Rabbi Nosson is concerned, you learn from the appearance of the word brocha together with sherus, and sherus is known to be while standing. Tanya idoch koi sevorchu benesius kapayim with raised arms. You're saying it's with raised arms or maybe possibly even without raised arms. So in the Pesach by Birkos Gehanim you see the word Tevorchu and with regard to Aaron who was the Kohen Godol he raised his arms to bless the people. Just like with Aaron, it says explicitly, that means to raise his arms, as Yodov, so too, wherever the priestly blessing takes place, it's with raised arms. Rabbi Yonason had difficulty with this approach, uh, learning from Aaron, if you're going to cite the posuk from Vayikra Perak test that we read, Vayisaron, well, there are other elements. It's first of all, it's the high priest. It was on Rosh Chodesh, and it was during public service. Avodat uh, Sibor, reference to offering public sacrifices. That's when 
And under those circumstances, you have the raising of the arms. So are you going to therefore say, Afkan, so too, the law of raising arms has to be, it's going to be then limited, Koyengadol, the Rosh Chodesh, on the, on the beginning of a month, and Vavodosiba, while involved in a public offering. Rebbe Noson Omer. Because of this objection that Rabbi Yonison stated, so Rabbi Noson says, Einot Tzorech, Harehu Omer, Hu Uvonov Kol Hayomim. Once again, that's a reference to the Posik that we referred to earlier in Devorim, Perik Yudches, Posik Hay. Let's read it again. The Posik says, Kivov Rochar Hashem Alokech Mikol Shvatech Lamud Lishoris Beshem Hashem. Who Uvanov Kol Hayomim? That's uh, explained here by Rabbi Nosan as saying Makish Bonov Lo. The descendants of Aaron, meaning all other Kohanim, are compared to him. Mahu Benesius Kapayim, just like his brocha was with raised arms. Af Bonov Benesius Kapayim. So to descendant Kohanim, even if they're not high priests, are blessing with raised arms. Uksiv kol hayomim. And it says in that posuk, uh, all days. Meaning, not just Rosh Chodesh and during public service. Ve'iskish brocha l'sherus. And we find that brocha is compared to sherus. And we take a look at the Rashi further up on the page. Ve'iskish brocha l'sherus klomar. The Afagav de Bahai Kroi, even though it, look in this Posuk uh Posuk Hey, Lav Brocha Ksiva Elosherus. It said in that in the Posuk that we read, La Modli Shores. Doesn't say anything about a Brocha, nevertheless Elo, Rashi quotes the the Posuk here, Elo, 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 all it says is Sheris, Lamod Sheris Bashem Hashem Wovan of Kalyomim. Nevertheless, Iskush Brocha Vesherus Bikrachrinu Kinamrinon Liel Lushor Soy Ulavorech Bishmo. The brocha is, however, compared to uh, to Sherus in in Forum Perak Yud Posuk Ches. So it's a reasonable conclusion that Nesis Kapayim can be derived from Aaron Hakayin, but you have these other uh, scriptural uh, elements that Reb Nossin says you must take into consideration, and you come out with raised arms for all Birkas Kehanim regardless of when it takes place and under what circumstances. Fetanya idoch koi sevorchu es b'nei Yisrael b'shem ha-meforosh atom b'shem ha-meforosh it's with the ineffable name o'yeno elo b'kinui or it could be done even with any uh, alternative name Talmud Lomar the Pesach says v'samoi es shmi that Pesach is found in Bamidbar Vov, which deals with the Birkas Kehanim itself. It's, you'll find that in Pasuk Chof Zayin, where it says, V'samo es Shemi al b'nei Yisrael v'ani avorachem. And what does Shemi mean? My name, Shemi hamiyuchadli, my special name. Yochol af b'gvulin is this to be understood even outside the Beis HaMish. The term gvulin is a term referring to all areas outside the Beis HaMikdosh. Well, not so. Nemarkan Vesomu Es Shmi Venemal Alon and it says in Voram Parakid Bays Losum Es Shmoi Shom Ma Lahalon Bays Habakir just like there you have the a reference to the placing of God's name, but that's in the chosen place, namely in the base Hamish. Base Bechira literally is the chosen home. It's only in the base Hamish. Afkan, so too with regard to the uh blessing in the ineffable name of God, that's Beveis habechira only in the base hamigdash. Rabbi Yoshe Oimer ain't no Rabbi Yoshe says you don't need to come on to that proof. Harehu Omer b'chom hamokoyim asher azkir es shemi avoy elecha. Now this pasuk uh, is in, in is, we'll say out of order for our purposes, and hence the Gemara the Gemara asks b'chol mokom salkadaitoch. The Pesach is saying that uh, wherever you are, uh, that uh, I enable my name to be mentioned, so I will come and bless you. Rashi uh, elaborates here, 
בכל מקום סלקודטה וכי בכל מקום שם המיוחד נזכר. Could it be that the ineffable name is recited anywhere? Hoxiv, it says in the Torah, in, in, in Sefer Shmos, Ze Shmi Veze Zichri. And we learn from that Posuk, Ze Zichri, Ze Shmi, Leolom, Veze Zichri, Ledor Vodor, that Posuk in Shmos Paragimel tells us, Lo Kishani Nichtav Ani Nikra. Not the way my name appears in writing. Is the way I am referred to. We spoke about this earlier. The pronunciation of God's name in the non-phonetic way. We use the Adenus expression and not the uh, the name as it appears with its four letters. So the Torah itself says that you're not going to speak God's name in the phonetic fashion. Is it so that could you think that the divine presence dwells? Wherever the chtiv avo elachav hulo ichet mokom lasgras hashem, would you think that he didn't uh, specify a place for his name to be mentioned? With all that in mind, so you cannot leave the pasuk as it is. The pasuk that we read bechol mokom asher askir hashem avo elacha. The Gemara continues elamikra zem mesurasu. This pasuk is, for understanding purposes, is out of order. And rather, how should it be understood? In any place that I assign for a blessing, there I will enable my name to be pronounced as it's written. And where is that place? Where is that place that I will come and bless you? Beves Habachira, in the chosen uh, house, but namely in the Beis Hamikdash. Shom Azkir Es Shemi, Beves Habachira. There, Azkir Shmeli, I will enable my name to be pronounced as it is. The Rashi says Mesurasu. As we mentioned, the, the Pusuk is out of order for our understanding purposes. Rather, Wherever I come to you, where does the Almighty come with His Divine Presence? Where is it His Divine Presence, say, concentrated? In, in these places, in the Mishkan, in the, that was in the uh, Midbar, the traveling Mishkan, in Shiloh, where the Mishkan stood for 369 years, Beis Olamim, in the Bate Mikdash, that were built in the time of Shlomo, and after the return from the Babylonian exile, those are specific places where, Asher Avo Eilecha, where I come unto you. So where Hashem comes unto us with His Divine Presence, namely in the Beis HaMikdash, there, Azkir Es Shemi, there I enable my name to be pronounced as it is. But not outside. Tanyo Idoch. Koisevorchu Es Bnei Yisrael. Ein li elo Bnei Yisrael. From reading the Pasuk, it would seem that only Jews are included in the priestly blessing. Geirim noshim vavodim ishuchorim inayin. How do you know to include converts or women? Because uh, if you read the pasuk literally, bnei Yisrael would indicate the men folk of Israel, not benos Yisrael. So we're asking, how do you know to include the women? And how do you know to include? Avodim Meshuchorim, these are slaves that have been freed, and upon their freedom, they become Jews, full-fledged Jews. How do you know that they are included in this blessing? Talmud Lomar, Emor Lohem, Lekulhu. It says in the Pasuk of the Birkas Kohanim, Emor Lohem. And that's an expression to include all these that were just mentioned. I should read it uh, more accurately. Omor lahem. Tanyo idoch. Koi sevorchu. Ponim keneged ponim. The koyanim are facing the congregation, who are facing in turn the kohanim. 
You say it's face to face. That maybe the Kohanim, when they face the congregation, the congregation can in fact be turned away. In other words, uh, there's no uh, expectation that the congregation has to actually be facing the Kohanim. The Rashi, a uh, quarter of the way up from the bottom, he says, O Eino Elo Afilu Ponem Kenegadorif, Sheinat Sibut Srichim Lahosev Penehem Litzar Hakonim. Maybe, as we said, there's no expectation of the congregation facing the Kohanim. Talmud Lomar, so we answer, there is. Omor Lahem, Kaodom Ha'oymer Lachavero. The way the priestly blessing is conveyed is as a person speaks to his friend. How do people speak to one another? Facing each other. Tanyo idoch, koi sevorchu, bekoil rom, in an audible or loud voice. Oeno elo belachash, maybe it can be said even in a whisper. Talmud lomar, omor lohem, keodom shoimer lechavero. As people converse with one another, people do not whisper to one another. As we go on in the Gemara, you'll notice we have a new marking, a bow tie shape. On the side of the Gemara, we have a nosei slash mivne heading. The uh, bow tie represents two halachas concerning the summoning of the Kohanim by calling out Kohanim before the actual blessing. Omar Abaye Naktinon. We have a tradition. Lishnayim Kore Kohanim. If there are two Kohanim or more, then they are summoned by the term Kohanim. They're called. The announcement is heard in the synagogue. Kohanim. Velo Echod Eno Kore Kohen. However, if there is only one Kohen present, then there is no formal summoning. Shenemar. The Pasuk says, Omor Lohem. No, the word Lohem is in the plural. You say unto them, the Shnayim. That means only if there are two. The Omar of Chista. Naktinan. Rav Chista has a tradition. Kohen Koyre Kohanim. If a, if the Shliach Tzibor, if the one leading the services is a Kohen himself, then the announcement, the summoning word Kohanim is used. The Ein Yisrael Kore Kohanim. However, if the Shliach Tzibor is a non Kohen, then he does not summon. Shinemar Omor Lohem, and Rav Chista takes that to mean Amira, the announcement, the summoning. We continue at the top of Omid Beis, Mi Shelohem, Hutehe. Only if it's one of them, only if the Kohen is the one who is doing the summoning. And namely, only if the Kohen is the Shliach Tzibor. The Gemara rules like Abaye, that only if there are two Kohanim or more, there is a summoning. However, we are not accepting Rav Chista's ruling, and therefore, even if the one who is leading the prayers is a non-Kohen, Still, the summoning is done, of course, provided there are two or more Kohanim. Uh, in the parentheses, there's a simon, a uh, device for remembering what is going to appear as the Gemara continues. So we have these, we'll say, key words. Misave, lebrocha, duchan, bavoida, kois, makir, nene, ba'agola. All of these, or be'egla, all of these uh, words uh, are key words for main rows for comments that will be made by Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. You can see if you allow your eye to skim down this page, you'll see numerous triangles. They highlight the name Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. The first set of triangles are featured on the side under the Nosei slash Mivne heading. A triangle appears, and also a dashed underlining will uh, will appear. Uh, the dashed underline will be highlighting the word Kohanim or Kohen, indicating or showing that these uh, triangles are halochis or statements that are associated with 
the kahuna with the priestly blessing. As you go further down the page, there's another series, also using triangles, but of a slightly different nature. As you can see, the the uh, painted in, the colored in tips. These are again con- uh, Mamro's statements of Rishon Levi, but uh, regarding uh, a different topic. We'll we'll repeat this um, topic heading when we get there. Now the Gemara. Omar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Minayin shakodesh baruchu misave lebirkas kehanim. Here we'll translate it. Uh, there's of course uh, depth to this statement, but it says, "From where do we know that the Almighty is desirous of the priestly blessing?" Shneimar. The pasuk says, "V'samu es shemi al bnei Yisrael vani avorachem." And Rashi at the top line says, "V'samu es shemi talo hakosuv." Hadovor bohen lios brochazu simas shmoi al amoi. Velo aso tsorech Yisrael el tsorech mokom. The Pasuk uh, conveys the idea that the uh, placing of God's name on the people, namely in the as a brocha, is dependent on the Kohanim. And it's Presented in such a way as Rashi says, Lo Yisrael el Mokom. It's a need, so to speak, whatever that means. It's a need of the Almighty, the Almighty's desire. This concept, this uh, this particular Meimrosa, uh, has very lofty ideas behind it. Something that requires more than just the translation that we're providing. We continue in the Gemara. The Omar, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Kol Kain Shemavorech Misborech. Any Kohen who utters the blessing himself is blessed. Vishenu Mavorech, Ein Misborech. If he doesn't utter the blessing, so he is not in turn blessed. Shenemar, the Posuk says, Va'avorecho Mevorachecho. That Posuk is in the context of Avram Avinu, but the point is, is that if one utters the blessing, he in turn will be blessed. The Omar Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Kol Kohen She'enu Eilu Leduchan Oiver B'Shloishase. Any Kohen who is present in Shul, present in the synagogue when they are summoned, and he does not go up to the platform. The Duchan is a reference to the platform. It's the, a reference to the place that the Kohenim stand when they make the brocha. So, a Kohen who doesn't go there when summoned is in violation of three positive commands. And here the Gemara refers to points that you see in the Psukim. Koisivarchu, number two, Omor Lohem, and Vesomu Es Shemi. Rav Omar, Chishishemo Ben Grusha O Ben Chalutzahu. Rav says a Kohen who doesn't ascend. The, to the platform where the place the the priestly blessing takes place falls under suspicion that maybe he's unfit to bless because even though his father is a Kohen, nevertheless the mother might have been a divorcee or a woman who participated in chalitza, thereby a prohibited marriage for a Kohen, and the child born is therefore not considered a Kohen. And that's why he's not going up. So a Kohen who, let us say, is an, a real Kohen, by not going up, he's uh, creating an impression that maybe he's unfit. Velo pligi. As far as Rabbi Shulman Levi, who says that he's in violation of three offenses, and Rav, who says that he creates suspicion over his purity, these are not two statements in disagreement with one another. Rather, ha de solik lefrokim, ha de lo solik lefrokim. If he uh, goes up from time to time, let's say on holidays, but he doesn't go up on a on a daily basis. He's there, but doesn't ascend the duchan uh, outside of holidays. So a, a person like that is not going to be suspect of being uh, unfit, disqualified, but he will be in violation, as Rabbi Shulman Levi says, of these three. Commandments. However, if he never goes up, then even on holidays, if he doesn't go up, he doesn't go up at all. And uh, we know his father was a Kohen. Why is he not going up? So he is then going to fall under suspicion of being a Ben Grusha 
or a ben chalutza, the son of a divorcee, or the son of a woman who participated in the chalitza ceremony. Vyoma Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, kol kohen she'eno oila ba'avoida, shuv eno oila. Avoda is a reference to the bracha of the Shmon Esrei that many will refer to as the bracha of Ritzei. This is the bracha that comes right before the bracha of Hoidoya of Moidim. So any Kohen who doesn't arise to the Duchan, he doesn't uh, walk, uh, he doesn't uh, uh, go toward the place of uh, blessing, he doesn't move from where he is, uh, till the end of Ritzei, so then it's too late for him to decide to go up to the blessing site after the Ritzei Brocha has been completed, which ends with the words The Rashi, on the upper part of the narrow lines, If he doesn't go to the go up there to the blessing site, before the end of Ritzei, Tzorach, that before the end of the Brochot, Tzorach Lalo Saladuchan. The basis for this is, Shenemar, the Posuk says, Vayiso Arones Yodov El Ho'om Vayevorachem, Vayered Me'asois Achatos Ve'oilo Ve'ashlomim. The Posuk makes an association between uh, Aaron and blessing the people and his descent from doing the sacrifices, from offering the sacrifices. Just like over there, the Pesach with Aaron and his blessing was in the context of Avoda, so too, in general, the Koyhanim must um, uh, reach the site of blessing uh, during Avoda, during the Broch of the Shmon Esrei that's called Avoda, the bracha of Ritzei. Uh, the reason it's called Avodah, Avodah is a reference to the service in the Beis HaMikdash. And when you look at the translation of that bracha of Ritzei, Hashem Elokeinu, uh, you see that bracha is making references to uh, the sacrifices of the Jewish people. The Gemara asks, Aini, is this halacha accurate? V'ha Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Asi, these are two great rabbis who were Kohanim. Salki, well, it seems they went up even after Avoda. In other words, the Shliach Tzibur finished the bracha of Avoda. They, the Shliach Tzibur was into Moidim Anach Nulach, he was into the next bracha of the Shmon Esrei, and uh, they had not yet reached the actual point where the bracha is recited. The Gemara says, Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Asi, Me'ikora, Havu, Akri Karaihu. They started their movement, literally, they uprooted their feet. They started walking toward the place of the Brocha during Avoda, before the Shliach Tibor finished the Brocha Vritzeh, before he said, They already started walking. All that happened with them is they didn't arrive there before the end. Uchidatani Ravoshaya, as Ravoshaya teaches, Lo Shonu Elishlo Okar Esraglov. The uh, halacha of the Kohen, if he doesn't go by, uh, by during Avoda, he doesn't go anymore, that's it, it's too late. That is true only if he didn't start his journey toward the front of the shul, toward the place where the Kohanim stand. Avol Okar Esraglov Oila. However, if he literally uprooted his feet. He started walking during Ritzei, before the end of Ritzei. He continues, even though he doesn't actually arrive at the at the site for the priestly blessing, until Avod has already been completed. So, uh, the main thing is, the instruction to the Kain is, start movement toward the site where the bracha will be, before the end of Birchas Ritzeya, the Brocha Bavoda. Utna Nami, it's also taught, Im Haftochosoi Shenoise Es Kapo Vuchoizu Filoso. This is a seemingly different point of halacha. We're going to tie it together very soon, though. This is a reference to a Shliach Tzibor, the one leading the prayers, who himself is a Kohen. And it says, and you know, the issue is, does he say the priestly blessing? 
in the middle of his repetition of the Shmona Esrei. Uh, so the source tells us that if he has enough uh, confidence that after reciting the brachos, he won't lose himself, lose his composure, lose his place, and he can pick up where he needs to pick up from. In other words, uh, after the recitation of the Birchus Kehanim, he would be expected to continue with the bracha of Sim Sholoim, Toivav, Uvrocha, etc. With the, we'll say, the final bracha of Shmon Esrei. So if he has confidence that he can interrupt his Shmon Esrei, his repetition of the Shmon Esrei as a Shliach Tzibor, and recite the priestly blessing, and then go back to where he needs to pick up from, so he should do the Nesias Kapayim, the raising of the arms as the br- part of the bracha of the Birkas Kehanim. Then, as the source says, Rashoi, he's allowed to do so. Vavino Bon, we ask, let's think about this. You have a Shliach Tzibor, he's standing in position for his uh, role as Shliach Tzibor. Where does the Shliach Tzibor fulfill the concept of walking forward? He's at the, uh, the, the podium where the Shliach Tzibor stands, but where do we see his movement forward? You're saying that he can do the Birkas Kayhanim, but he's in the middle of standing with his feet together in Shmon Esrei as part of the repetition of the Shmon Esrei. Elo denod purta. What is expected of the Shliach Tzibor is in fact he makes a little shuffle movement, a slight movement forward, and that is considered sufficient. That's Akiras Raglayim for Birchas Kohanim purposes. Hachanami, so too with regard to the story with Ravami and Ravasi, the uh, Okar Purta. They started movement. And that's enough. As long as you start movement during Ritzay, even though you don't actually arrive at the point until after Birchas Ritzay, it's okay. But if you didn't start moving until after the completion of Birchas Ritzay, then as we said before, it's too late. We have a bracketed section, and the uh, uh, note on the side reads, there's a starred note, after the bracketed section, the Gemara will resume with matters concerning the priestly blessing. Within the bracketed section, there are additional comments made by Rishum and Levi. Hapam, this time, it's with regard to those people that are Tzorian, people that are miserly. If I may allow myself just off the top of my head, the connection, it's not just a random list of additional uh, statements of Rishum Levi, but rather, since we're talking up till now about the topic of Birkas Kohen, Brocha is a, a term that is associated with the concept of plentifulness, with bounty, and an, an attitude, a, uh, a, the attribute of benevolence, of, of giving, of kindness, all of those terms can be uh, associated with the concept of bracha, blessing. The contrast to that would be, uh, in the context of this Gemara, is miserliness. Um, in Hebrew, the term Tzoreayin, uh, people that are not um, generous, they're not giving, but as we said, they are miserly and uh, self-centered, concerned only with themselves. With that in mind, let's continue with the Gemara uh, in the bracketed section. The Amar Levi, Ein a kosher bracha is often associated with a cup of wine. Uh, Rashi points out here with regard to Birkas HaMazon, even though the concept of, of kosher bracha it has a, a wider application. But here we're referring to the kosher bracha, that one, a cup of wine that one would hold while reciting the Birkas HaMazon. Uh, so Rabbi Shumalevi says that this practice of giving a cup of wine for the Birchas uh, HaMazon should be done only with a tovayin, with a man who has a kindly eye. Rashi says, tovayin sone betza vegomle chesed vimamona, people who have no tolerance for betza, for thievery, and they are kindly with their possessions, with their property, their money. He, that's a tovayin. 
Shinemar, the Posik says, Tov Ayin Hu Yivurach, Kinosan Milach Moladal. Al Tikri, don't read the Posik as Yivurach, will be blessed, but rather Elo Yivorech, he shall do the blessing. And hence, a Tovayin, a, a benevolent type of individual, uh, he is the one that should lead the Birchas Hamozon uh, holding the cup of wine. From where do we know that even birds recognize the miserly? And Rashi adds, uh, and, and they, they won't eat from the, the food or the bait that they uh, put out. Uh, we'll see in, throughout the Gomorrah, as the Gomorrah continues, that uh, those who are Tzoreyayin are, are the, the kind of people that one should actually avoid benefiting from them. It's uh, causing them too much pain to have to, to give of their own to others. Don't even go to them. Don't benefit from them. And here, as we said, Shulman Levi says, even birds recognize this. Shinemar, the Posuk says, Ki chinom mizora horeshes be'ene kol bal konof. To appreciate this, we look at Rashi. Ki chinom mizora horeshes liel minei before this posuk. This is in Mishlei Perak Aleph posuk Yitzayin. So before that, it says Mishtoi b'tzori ayin nerevol adam v'chule kol hon yakar nimsa. Rashi citing the psukim that indicate that the context of this posuk is the miserly. And it says, "Kichinam mizura harashes loshon yizure al noveu gofris kach darkum shot sayodim lizrois chitim usorim berishtam." The practice of bird hunters is to have nets and spread on the nets uh, grains like wheat and barley kidei shivo ofos lechol, so that the, to attract the birds to come and eat, and then they will be entrapped. Even tsariyin. But as far as the miserly, chinam ma'abdin mizonos shizorin berishdam be'ene kol bal konof, the miserly though are are wasting their time uh, in in spreading in in um, scattering their grains in the traps in front of the birds. Shein he makirin bohen ve'ain nenin mi mizonosahem. Shaf hein. Let me read that again. Shaf hein makirin the the birds know that these grains are from the miserly and they the birds aren't going to come to eat from them. So even birds recognize uh, the miserly. The uh, uh, Gomorrah goes on, Anyone who benefits from he who is miserly is in violation of a negative command. The Pesach says, Al tilcham es lechem ra'ayin and it goes on to say the altisov the matamosov ki kamo shoar benavsho ken hu achol u shesay yomalach belibo bal imoch. The pasuk tells us, uh, exhorts us, the public, not to uh, eat the bread uh, and the the dainties of the miserly, because um, uh, in, internally a very great strain and goes through turmoil, uh, thinking about that his food will be eaten by others, and though he will tell you, come and eat, come and drink, his heart is not with him. He doesn't really intend to uh, the, to his invite. Rav Nachman Rav Nachman goes further than Rav Shumalevi and says that one who benefits from Tzoriyayin is actually involved in violation of two negative commands, Al-Tilcham, and also, the al titov. We have written in between the lines these added words from the pasuk, and the word al means don't. It's a, in effect, a negative command. So you see, twice this appears in the pasuk. The Yomar Rabbi ben Levi, Ein Eglo Arufa, Bo Ela Bishvil Sorry Ayin. Eglo Arufa is a ceremony literally the breaking of a calf's neck, when a murder victim is found between uh, two cities, the closer of the two cities goes through this ceremony, uh, which is basically to achieve interim atonement until the actual murderer is found. This process of Egla Rufa is done, you might say the murder took place, and hence generating the need for Egla Rufa, 
all because of miserliness. Shinemar. Now, we'll go on in the Gemara a bit and then tie it together. See, how does miserliness figure into the, the case of a uh, murder? The Pasuk says, the uh, Yomru, the members of the city, the closer of the two cities that supplies the Egla Rufa and goes through the ceremony, the elders of the city, they come together and say, Yodenu lo shafchu es hadam lo ra'u. Translated, it means that uh, we didn't do the murder and uh, our eyes did not see would it occur to us to even think that that they, they have to announce we didn't do the the murder would you think that they did Ella, rather what's the depth behind this posuk Nagmar will explain what was just said but the elders of the community are announcing this person, the, the victim, the murder victim, he didn't come to us and we released him and let him go. And we didn't see him and, and leave him. What does that mean? The Gemara explains, mazonos. We uh, announce that... This guy, he didn't come to us and we let him go on the road without any food. Let's take a look at Rashi across from here. Upatrunu below Mazonos Klomar. The Mazonos Hutzruch, the Lohoyolo. Imagine a person comes to town and he needs food. He doesn't have any of his own food. And no one gives him any food. So he goes on the road. He sees someone with packages of food and he comes to grab them. Because of his hunger. And the owner of those food packages in self-defense kills this guy. And that's how you can have a murder victim. So what are the elders of the community saying? We didn't... We didn't he didn't come to us and we let him go without any food, that that could, that story could take place. Well, let's continue in the Gemara. Lo roinu vinachnu below levoya. And likewise, he didn't come to us and, and we would, and we let him go without any accompaniment, let him go on his own. But rather, people who came to our town, anyone who came to our town, and we uh, saw he didn't have any food, we of course would provide him with food, and, and we would actually accompany him out of town as well. So what do, you, what do you see from this? We see from this that miserliness would actually result in the murder taking place. As we said, the guy who was left to go to leave town without them giving him food because of miserliness would then would have then been forced to attempt a robbery and that could have resulted in this guy becoming a victim of uh, someone else's uh, self defense. Omar Ador Omar of Simloi here as you can see we finished the bracketed section. So he just say we go back to the topic of the birkas kaihanim, kaihanim kulon oilim leduchon, a shul uh, whose congregation is made up exclusively of kaihanim. All the people praying there are kaihanim. Well, they all go to the platform. They all go and recite the birkas kaihanim, lamim avorchem. So who are they blessing? If you have the kaihanim going up front to bless and other members of the congregation remain where they are. So they are the ones that are being blessed. But in this case where the entire congregation are koyhanim and they're all doing the blessing, who is being blessed? They're brethren that are out in the fields. Rashi says, They're uh, out working. They have, it's beyond their power to come to shul, come to pray, when at that hour of the day, they're out in the fields working. So, since they're out in the fields working, the blessing that they received is from these kahanim that 
are leading, that are reciting the bracha, even though, in this particular case, there are no members of the congregation that are left in the shul to receive the bracha. Nevertheless, it's not a, it's not a wasted bracha. The achem shebesados will benefit. Amy, is this really so? The am, the people that are behind the kaihanim, are not included in the bracha. So it, it seems from this that you have to be present in front of the kaihanim in order to receive the bracha, not people out there in the fields working. Lo kashi, there is no contradiction, no difficulty here. Ha danisi, ha lo anisi. Anisi means it's beyond their control. The people are employed to work in fields starting from maybe even before dawn and they're working uh, all day in the fields. They can't come to shul. They're anus. It's beyond their control. So they are included in the priestly blessing. However, someone who is standing in the synagogue and he's standing behind the kaihanim and the kaihanim face the congregation to bless them and and these people, the low anisi people that are not onus, they could walk in front of the kaihanim, but decide not to. They decide to remain behind the kaihanim. So in a case like that, they're not included in the bracha. If we look at Rashi together, across from here, the low anisi, those people standing in the synagogue behind the kaihanim, low anisi, elo she'en ha-bracha chashuvo alehem, as far as they are concerned, the priestly blessing is not significant enough to move them from where they are to walk, to stand in front of the kaihanim in order to receive the kaihanim face to face as the rule demands. Hilkoch Rashi goes on, Enom Bichlal Brocha. Therefore, they're not included in the Brocha. The Brocha is is uh, delineated, is defined as being Ponim Keneget Ponim, face to face. And if these people who are in Shul and don't bother walking to a point at which they're in front of the Kahanim, so they're not included in the Brocha. Let's continue in the Gemara with a question. That's uh, Rav Simi from Birta Dishkos, what's the name of a place? He has a Tanaic source that he recites, which says, Beis HaKnesses Shekula Kahanim, very similar to the source, to the comment before made by Adon Rabbi Simloi. Here you have a Tanaic source, of which, a shul that is all Kahanim. Mitzosan Oilen U Mitzosan Oinen Omein. Well, this is uh, against what Rav Simloi said before. Rav, that's Rav, that Ado Om Rav Simloi. Here you see complete congregation of Kainim. Only some of them go up, and the others answer Omein. They the uh, Omein affirmation of the of the bracha. So how do you resolve these two comments? The one above that said basically this is kind of kulan elon and here only mixasan elon, lo kasha, ha dishtair be asara, ha the lo ishtair be asara. Literally, if there remain ten, then one thing, and if you won't have ten remaining, then another. I'll take a look at the Rashi. Uh, we're looking Rashi that you find four lines from the bottom. Ishtair be asara. If there remain Ten people in the shul, so mitzasan oylem l'duchan, vasara oynin amen. So if you had, let's say, a, a synagogue of eleven kohanim, so one kohen will go forward, and there are ten that remain as part of the congregation to answer amen. So in that case, mitzasan oylem, lo ishtayer be'asara. If you won't have ten remaining. To answer Amen, Lo Choshiv Lebrocha Lechudayu. The Brocha is not then considered significant enough. Hilkach Kulan Oylen Muvorchem Lachem Shebesados. In a case like that, where you don't have ten people remaining in the shul, certainly if you have a case of ten altogether, ten Kohanim altogether, in a case like that, then all of the Kohanim will go up and say the bracha. In other words, unless you have a situation of a bracha 
plus 10 people responding Amen, if you don't have that, then all of them will, will, will go and say the bracha. And as we said, the bracha will affect the Am Sheva Sados. Gufa. Tono Abo Brei Derav Menyumi this is what we saw just a few lines above. Abo uh, taught Am Shachure Kayanim Enon Bichlal Brocha. Those people that are behind the Kohanim are not included in the Brocha. And we already explained that that's a reference to people that are in, in the synagogue and don't bother walking in front of the Kohanim while they are blessing. On the side of the Gemara, we have a nosei slash mivne heading. As we look on in the Gemara, you'll notice some double underlines appear. These are she'elois be'inyan mikum hatzibur b'yachas l'kehane b'sha'as nesias kapayim. Questions that are related to the positioning, the location of the congregation relative to the kehanim during the blessing. So the Gemara observes Pshita Arichi Baapi Gutsi Lo Mafsiki. If you have tall people in the congregation that are standing in front of shorter people, it goes without saying that the shorter people are not blocked from receiving the priestly blessing. Teva lo mapsika. A Literally, a teva is a box, but in the context of the shul, it could refer to a uh, the table on which the Sefer Torah is read. It could possibly refer to the Aron HaKodesh, the holy ark in which the Sefer Torah are stored. The, uh, whatever it is, we'll call this, this shul appurtenance, is not going to block the, pra- the, the blessing. So that if the Kohanim are on one side of this and, and a, the Teva happens to be in front of the Kohanim, it doesn't block the blessing from reaching the people that are on the other side of the Teva. Mechitza mai. What about a partition? The Kohanim are on one side of a partition and they're facing the people that in turn are facing the Kohanim, but there's a partition between them. What effect does that have? Toshma. The Yomar of Yeshua ben Levi, Afilu Mechitza Shel Barzel, Eino Mafsekis ben Yisrael Aviyam Sheba Shamayim. Yeshua ben Levi says that even an iron uh, partition, if you prefer the term iron curtain, even an iron curtain doesn't block the Jewish people from their Father in Heaven. In other words, the fact that there's a Mechitza doesn't prevent We'll say uh, prayers and blessings from penetrating. Ibayolaho, Stodin Mahu. What about people that are not actually in front of the Kohanim, but are to the side of the Kohanim? Omar Abo Mor Bar Ravashi, Toshma. We try to answer that from the following. Disnan. We're going to bring a source, when a site a source that actually has nothing in actuality to do with Birkas Kehanim, but the connection between the two has to do with positioning and the element of intent. The immediate topic at hand is going to be the Hazoya, the, the sprinkling of the Pora Aduma water, the, the uh, ash water mixture that um, enables purification from defilement to the dead to be achieved. So the source says, Niskaving lahazois lefonov, v'hiza lachorov, the sprinkler, the person who would sprinkle these uh, special waters of purification, had intent to sprinkle a forward sprinkling. And there it ended up that the sprinkling went behind him. And there were vessels that in fact were behind the sprinkler that needed purification. So he 
intended the sprinkling to go into one di- in one direction, and it ended up going in the opposite direction. And likewise, lachorav v'hizol lefonav, or he intended a let's say a backward motion to sprinkle those vessels that were in back of him, and the sprinkling ended up going forward on other vessels that also needed purification. Hazosobsula, the sprinkling is disqualified. It's it's ineffective. Rashi says at the top, Hazosobsula, the Boinon Kavono Latari, you require intent for purification. There has to be intent. Let's continue in the source. Maybe just a word again of what, concerning that which we just said. Since intent is necessary, if you intended to sprinkle, let's say, forward, then, then obviously that which was behind you was not part of your intent. And, and likewise, the opposite. If you intended to sprinkle in back and it ended up getting, the sprinkling ended up going on vessels in front of you, but you didn't have any intention for those in front of you. Let's continue with another example. Lefonov v'hizo al tzodin shebefonov. He intended a forward motion, and the sprinkling also the sprinkling landed on vessels that were off to the sprinkler's side, off to his side, slightly in uh, uh, slightly in front of him. In other words, if you were to state this in, in terms of angles, it was not they were not literally, let's say, 180 degrees, or uh, you know, uh, literally to his side but rather slightly in front of him. Hazoso Kshera. So the the sprinkling is effective. So now we take a look at Rashi. Al had stodin shebefonav. Stodin sheish mi menu lahalon. Velo stodin mi menu lahor. So when we say off to the side, off to the side, a little bit forward, not off to the side, a little bit back in back of him. So to here with regard to the Birkas Kehanim. Those people that are off to the Kehan side in a little bit forward, so they're included in the Brocha. Avol shall Achar Heimenu, Avopi Shainon Achrein Mamish, Kilachrov Domi. If the people are behind the Kohanim, even if they're not literally standing directly behind the Kohanim. They're, they're off to the sides, but behind the Kohanim. They're not included in the Bracha. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.